0: tackles can one man break you're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable humans need fantasy to be human Ooh. my goodness that was good You guys are pros. the bats relentless refusing to give up all right hit that horn babe let's dance
1: and welcome to the action network fantasy flex podcast This is our week six player prop edition. We'll also talk about Sunday Night Football, uh, the showdown slate. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, Joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, how's it going?
2: What's up? Uh, I I think we did pretty good last week, right? Um, I I went four and one, I believe. Did you see how you...
1: I think I went two and three, so I think think you're carrying us. I think you're carrying (laughs) us. Devontae Smith went over his reception total, so that's... You're obviously really
2: do so. I, I'm doing <laughs> a, a four to five uh, flex play with all your props this week. You're absolutely do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did call Robert Woods on that last Thursday slate. So yeah, that, that was good. That was. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the. Uh, we'll start off this one. We'll talk about the Sunday showdown slate, the Sunday night football, uh, and then we'll get into our uh, top ten props. So let's get into the Steelers and Seahawks. Sunday night football matchup, Sean, uh, when you're thinking about the captain spot here, uh, who are you looking at? Of course, Seattle, you know, seems like some of their top options are a little less intriguing with Geno Smith at the helm. So uh, are you going with Steelers here or are you going a little more contrarian?
2: Um, It begins and ends with Chase Claypool for me. I think, um, you know, Juju out. Uh, we could see Chase Claypool line up more in the slot. Uh, he's He's been a guy that I've been just waiting to break out even more than he has um, to date. So I think the Juju injury might just push him over the edge here. Um, and, you know, th- through weeks one through four, um, you know, uh, Claypool lined up in the slot about 15% of the time. And last week, once Juju left the game, he lined up out of the slot 40% of the time. Um, and he caught both slot targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, So I think just lining up in the slot more will help elevate his floor and ceiling, honestly. So I think this is a good spot to go all in on him. I know he's going to be popular. I don't care. Um, Just, I think this is the game to kind of captain him and then um, I'll get contrarian elsewhere in my lineup. Yeah. Quaypool. I
1: mean, I think all the Steelers receivers uh, are obviously in play here. Um, Deontay Johnson is another guy. I think uh, he's been there. So the thing with Seattle is they play a ton of zone coverage, and this is completely opposite of Denver. So last week, I was on Claypool heavy. Um, He wasn't very popular um, because, you know, he's coming back from injury. It looked kind of like a tough matchup. But this week, I'm actually expecting, you know, everyone to get involved a little more. I think Deontay Johnson will be the top target. But and so he's obviously going to be in my captain spot. Some um, you don't really have to worry about like stacking Roethlisberger in your captain spot. He's not like a running quarterback, so I think this is a spot where you go either Deontay Johnson or you go Najee Harris, who I think he's my running back two on the week now with with uh, Christian McCaffrey looking questionable hmm. and missing practice. So love Najee Harris in this spot. Pittsburgh uh, at home in a good spot for their defense against Geno Smith. I expect Pittsburgh to have the ball a ton. I know they're going to manage Najee's reps a little bit, but uh, because he cramped up last game, but this has still been the, essentially he's getting Christian McCaffrey usage this year. Like he's been on the field almost every snap uh, all season long. So this could just be a smash spot for him. I think he'll be on all the important downs. And this is actually a good spot for Pittsburgh. You know, sometimes they come out flat, uh, when they're expected to win, but the line has been moving steadily toward them. It opened at three and a half. It's up to five and a half at most books. The Steelers are 23 and eight against the spread 74% when the line moves toward them as a home favorite with Rosselsberger at quarterback. So uh, I think this is going to be a good spot for them. Uh, expect Najee to have a lot of success against this middling Seattle D. And I think it's one thing about Pittsburgh is like their offense kind of it's been looking shaky, but they played a bunch of teams that were are pretty good on D. Like Seattle's the easiest D they faced yet. Seattle's number 25 in DVOA. Buffalo was number one. Cincinnati was number seven. Vegas was number 13. Denver was 10. Uh, and Green Bay was the only below average when they faced. They were 20th. But this is by far the easiest matchup. Um, so I like all the, the star players for Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, so uh, you're not taking any flyers. On Seattle, I'm kind of with you there. I think if anything, maybe DK Metcalf might be sneaky in the captain slot. Um, He'd be a guy I'd be more interested in on like a main slate. If he were there, he'd be overlooked. But certainly for a one-game showdown slate, uh, his roster ship percentage still might be pretty high. But I think if if there's one guy I kind of want to attack on Seattle, it'd be DK because um, even though they have Geno Smith under center, like DK is good enough. They could just force feed him. Um, and he could be sort of a target hog and still end up with two touchdowns. So that's why I would still be interested in considering DK Metcalf as my captain.
1: Yeah, I think Metcalf and Lockett—they're like secondary options yeah. for me. Um, but I'm focused on Pittsburgh here, just because yeah. Pittsburgh has the <laughs> higher touchdown upside in this game. Yeah. And I worry about Gino under pressure too. So um, I guess we could talk about like our cheat codes. I mm-hmm. love the Steelers' defense. I might even captain them in a couple of spots because they're getting pressure at the fifth highest rate in the league. Gino Smith even though he looked good last week and, you know, it was a primetime game. He's like, Oh, he acquitted himself. Well, I think locket fell down on the interception, Mm -hmm. but overall he was two of eight for 12 yards with that pick under pressure and pressure creates these kinds of things, even though it wasn't necessarily his fault that he threw the pick uh, you know, you throw the ball early. You don't get a chance to watch, to see that the receiver fell down and that's how you throw Mm -hmm. picks. So I think it's going to be really tough for him. You go back to his last full season as a starter, And he had a sub 40 completion percentage under pressure, a passer rating uh, below 60. So he has never been good under pressure. That's why he's not a a full-time starting NFL quarterback. That's why he's a backup. So I just think it's going to be a really tough spot, even though they have the long week uh, for him. So that's why, you know, I expect Seattle to be in comeback mode. So I I will be rostering Metcalf, will be rostering Lockett, but love the Steelers defense. Uh, And then another guy, and I'm curious to how you feel about him, but, I saw that James Washington returned to practice today and I I'm captaining him. Like he's, if he plays, I'm absolutely captaining him because remember what I always say about Seattle watch for that <laughs> matchup at left corner. They, they, Trey flowers, they let him go. Yep. You want to know what Sidney Jones has done in, in his place. He's given up a hundred yards and a touchdown in both games as a <laughs> starter. So for the year, this is Sidney Jones stat line for the year. 11 completions on 14 targets, 270 yards, and two touchdowns, no picks. That's James Washington, 56% lined up on the right, 24% in the slot, and 20% on the left. So James Washington is going to, if he's active, he's going to run the majority of his routes at a guy that's given up 20 yards per target, essentially. Like, this is a dream matchup for Washington. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I, I know Claypool and Deontay are going to be the higher owned guys. So I'll probably, I think Claypool might even be the highest owned because he's get a little bit of a discount with him compared to Deontay compared to Najee. So like for me, I'm actually going to probably have the highest percentage of Washington followed by, um, you know, Deontay and, and Claypool actually the least of the three. I'm still rostering all of them, but yeah. I love me some James Washington this week. It's like the Robert yeah. Woods. It's the same thing.
2: Yep and he he so he was one of my cheat codes as well um yeah and that's I was why i started say, it off
1: i was like no way i'm yeah. not letting you steal i'm not letting you steal <laughs> you my Seattle it. versus left cornerbacks you knew nah, it was nope. coming
2: um but obviously <laughs> we have to see we have to see if he can even play he, yeah like yeah. you said he's the only a growing injury but if
1: not i'm playing Cody White or whoever like i'm playing yeah, Ray, whoever. Ray whoever
2: it is we <laughs> they, just right. signed uh Anthony Miller to the practice squad we can always uh you know, keep an eye on him. But, you know, if, if the Texans decided to Anthony Miller or wasn't meant to be for them, maybe we shouldn't really consider him going forward. But yeah, I love the James Washington call. He's a guy where, you know, if Chase Claypool is lining up more in the slot um, James Washington could be the main deep threat. He, he is the main deep threat. Um, So, you know, unfortunately the way big Ben's playing now um, and with Najee Harris there, they're more balanced. Um, You know, James Washington projection won't be as high as it would have been say last year. Um, if one of these receivers went down, but certainly Washington's a sneaky play here uh, would not surprise me if he catches a deep pass, potentially for a touchdown. So perfect time to play uh, you know, a guy like him and also perfect time um, to take a flyer, uh, Pat Firemuth. Um, you know, this is a situation where the Steelers may opt to go more to tight end sets. Um, I think it's only a matter of time until the rookie overtakes Eric Ebron. Um, so lo- love taking flyers on these kind of tight ends and showdown slates. And just imagine if, if, you know, Kyle Pitts wasn't the generational talent he was, you know, we'd be talking about fire a lot more being the best rookie tight end in this class. Um, I mean, he, he was nicknamed baby grunt for a reason. I mean, go watch his college film. He's, he's a legit receiving tight end. Um, he flashed in preseason. So he has all the tools to, you know, potentially have a breakout performance, uh, this week. So I I'm definitely going to be rostering Frymuth on quite a few teams this week.
1: Yeah. I like, I like the Frymuth call because again, this is going to be a zone heavy uh, scheme for Seattle tight ends tend to do better in zone coverage. Only the very best tight ends are going to consistently beat man coverage and quarterbacks are going to look for them, you know, cause mm-hmm. you also got to have the quarterback looking for you in those spots, but against Seattle, it's just a matter of coming open finding a spot in the zone. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think this will be a good Frymuth game. And, you know, for those for those really like if you're going super like studs and scrubs here, uh, I should mention that. Well, two things. Number one, and it goes back to the reason I like Najee. uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Pittsburgh changed its whole blocking scheme last week. So they went completely man blocking. They didn't run any outside zone, any like it was all just man on a man uh, and and block and and, and push forward. And they had uh, an average yards before contact of 1.7, which that's pretty good for them because through the first four games, they had 64 uh, carries and just 61 yards before contact. So they essentially doubled their yards before contact last week, switching to the scheme against a very good Denver D. Um, But we know what that also meant, that they also increased the playing time of some of their heavy personnel guys, which, so if you're going to play some James Washington and you're multi-entering, a good hedge is to take a flyer on a guy like, uh, not only Fryer moves, but like Zach Gentry, whose snaps went up to 34 percent, a season high last year. Uh, he's the third tight end, and uh, even Derek Watt played a season high at the fullback and snaps last year. Oh, so, shit. like, you get like a Derek little. Huh?
2: Uh, I, I, I think you're gonna mention Ray Ray McLeod, but you went the Zach Gentry route. We are really scraping. Oh yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> no, this is one. This is <laughs> one
1: where you get like, let's say you get down to the goal line, and yeah. everyone has like Najee Harris captains or something like that, and you do a little play fake. And and Gentry or Watt gets that easy like walk in touchdown like that could change the entire slate. Oh yeah, I mean?
2: Derek Watt is that yeah. guy. Yeah, he is yeah. the troll of this slate. The potential troll of this slate is Derek Watt for sure.
1: Yeah, because yeah. Nick Ballor, I think I don't think he's still not playing. You know, he's not. <laughs> no,
2: he's, <laughs> he's no. not
1: doing enough yet. You know, for on the other side of it, and Seattle has like four so, running backs. So so
2: when it comes to the Seattle running back situation, they're like if Chris Carson is active, I'm just avoiding the running back situation completely. Um, It would take Chris Carson being inactive for me to consider, uh, you know, playing a guy like Alex Collins. That that would be preferable if Chris Carson just rests another week and then we could play some out Collins, but I don't think we could trust either if Carson is active.
1: Yeah, it's going to, I mean, listen, the one thing about Seattle, we know they're going to do is run the ball. Like they're going to want to run the ball. So it's like, you know, I wouldn't fade them 100% because one of them could get a touchdown. Um, But it, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a situation I want much of, especially since Pittsburgh is sixth in early down rush success rate allowed on defense. So I, I just, that's why I just think it's going to be a tough spot for Seattle. I mean, Seattle's yeah. going to come out wanting to run. They're not going to be able to. They're going to have to throw. Geno's bad under pressure. I mean, Seattle's going to, if you really think, like Seattle, you want to get some contrarian lineups. Yeah. You probably go with like a Collins or a Carson stack with the Seattle D. Cause that's really the only way Seattle staying in this game is like, their mm. D's going to have to come up with a play, you know, disrupt Roethlisberger and, and things like that. So.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris yeah. Carson was leaning on, you know, touch on project uh, production earlier in the season um, because he, he wasn't really seeing yardage. Um, he definitely wasn't seeing uh, any passing game usage. He had uh, three catches for three yards over his past three games. Um, so I think without Russell Wilson, like he is unplayable right now because, uh, you know, he's not going to get those gimme goal line touchdowns um, like he would with Russell Wilson under center. So that's that's why I'm saying I'm off. And this is coming from somebody that has yeah. Chris Carson almost every league. So if, I, if I'm down on him, you should be, too, because I feel like I'm always bullish on him. But right now, without Russell Wilson and with Chris Carson banged up, it would not surprise me if this is a 50 50 split. And like you said, in offense, we're really not trying to invest in anyway.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's going to be tough sledding. Like I, they'll give the ball to them both yeah. active, but that's, you know, against Pittsburgh, it's <laughs> never really been like profitable to really uh, right. go with running backs against them. So, uh, and then, you know, if they, if Carson does not play and, and you're looking for kind of that like contrarian play, it's probably DJ Dallas over Homer Dallas outsnapped Homer 14 to eight. You know, he's could be the, like kind of the hurry up back. Um, so, you know, that's something to to, to also watch for, but yeah, that does it for our showdown preview. Let's get into our props uh, on the Fantasy Flex Week 6, uh, presented by Prize Picks. Uh, we'll do a quarterback, two running back, and two receiver props each. Sean, start us off. Who do you like uh, at quarterback?
2: Well, I never thought I would ever be taking a Davis Mills over, but here we are. <laughs> I'm going with Davis Mills over 185 and a half passing yards against the Colts. Um, this is more of a play on the number as opposed to the quarterback. Um, you know, obviously, last week, Mills probably had the best game of his entire career or what will turn out to be the best game of his entire career. You know, he threw for 312 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions against the Patriots, I might add. Um, so, you know, he's going to come back down to earth this week, but he is playing a weak Colt secondary. So, you know, I'm projecting closer to 210 yards here. Um, so, which isn't much, but it's you know we're we're talking 25 yards higher than this. Um, so, so I like the over. And you know, Tyrod Taylor could be returning next week, so that gives Davis Mills extra motivation um, to play well here. That this could end up being his last start of his career, for all we know. Um, so, I think that that gives him more incentive to have a good game here. He can lean on Brandon Cooks all he wants in this matchup. So, give me the over 185 and a half passing yards uh, for Davis Mills.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if he has a good game here, he probably starts the rest of the year, honestly. I yeah, think well, that's,
2: the, um, that's yeah. the motivating factor. Yeah, certainly if he if he plays well here, which I think he could against the Colts, then that really gives him that job security um, because there, there's no reason for them to see what they have in Tyrod Taylor. We kind of know what we have at this point, but um, who knows? Davis Mills might be the next rookie quarterback that Tyrod Taylor, um, yeah. you know, let's turn into a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Based off of an injury. Yeah, they'll just, <laughs> the, just stab
1: Tyrod in the lungs before
2: <laughs> <laughs> his first game
1: yeah. back, and Davis Mills would just get a surprise start, and it'll be history. So, yep. Yeah, no, I have him in the high 220s as well, so I'm, I'm way over the number. Uh, this coach secondary is just not good this year. Like, we saw that nope. clearly last week, uh, and they're in a short week. Uh, for my quarterback prop, speaking of secondaries that aren't good, Uh, I am going with Taylor Heineke over 259 and a half passing yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Heineke's averaging 272 in his four starts. He's been over this number. Four out of the five quarterbacks to face the Chiefs have been over this number. Uh, And the one that didn't was Lamar, who also picked up 107 rushing yards and 16 carries. So, you know, Heineke runs a little bit, but not that much. Uh, If Lamar's not running as much as he does, he gets over the number uh, as well, I think. And Again, this this Chiefs defense, they're just, they're bottom two in pass DVOA. And Washington's defense, especially against the pass, has been so bad that, you know, even if Tyreek Hill doesn't play, I think Mahomes still puts up a big game uh, throwing the football. So uh, the total is is really huge in this game. I think Kansas City is going to put up 30 plus, which means a lot of, you know, I think Gibson's going to get his yards, but I think at some point, and probably for a good while of the portion of the game, Washington is going to play from behind. So uh, I could see a 300-yard game easily uh, for Taylor Heineke. So going over 259 and a half passing yards.
2: Yeah, obviously I'm with you here. We talked about him at length on our DFS pod. um, And, you know, he's my top streaming option, my top DFS play at quarterback. And like, like we said, like, you know, Terry McLaurin would not surprise me if he goes off here. Um, I, I could see Daniel Sorensen getting turned around or, you know, fall over <laughs> and let Terry McLaurin buy for two ADR touchdowns this week. Would not surprise me. So I, I think that just Heineke has a super high floor and ceiling this week. So love the over here as well.
1: What is your beef with poor, uh, poor Daniel Sorensen? I feel like it was the second time. He's still him
2: out. <laughs> I, I mean, his PFF grades like 28 or something ridiculous. And if you watched um, the, the game last week, I mean, he let, Two plays go right by him, so that's that's why I'm just saying I had a vision of Terry McLaurin being that guy this week that just flies right by Sorensen for, for a couple of big games this week. Yeah, he can fly
1: by anyone. That's the thing about right. Like it's you know he got to and he's been facing some tough matchups. He already you know they played the Bills and Tredavious already. They played Marshawn Wattimore. so he's had a couple of like eh, games, some down games. But uh, this is not one of those spots. So I you know I, I didn't go with the, the McLaurin over, but uh, I would. If I'm playing Heineke in like a five-man prize picks, uh, I would love, you know, stacking Heineke and McLaurin. I would have no qualms with that. So, All right, next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a segment that we call Elite Entries. It's where Sean and I dive into the Prize Picks app and compare our player projections to the props to build an entry. Sean, what's your first Prize Picks Elite Entry best bet
2: for week six? I am going with Davis Mills over 185 and a half passing yards. Now, this might be the last time you'll ever hear me taking a Davis Mills over, but I think this line's too good to be true. I'm projecting this closer to 210 uh, passing yards. I mean, he just went off for 312 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks against the Patriots. Um, so, the, this Colt secondary is going to be a cakewalk. As opposed to last week, I think he's going to be able to lean on Brandon Cooks heavily in this game. So I think he has a pretty high floor um, and and he's a good bet to go over 200 yards. So give me the over 185 and a half passing yards for Davis Mills this week.
1: Yeah, I'm in the uh, 220s with Mills as well. So I like that one uh, for mine, first best bet for week six. I'm going... Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke, over 259 and a half passing yards. The Chiefs have given up this number in four out of five games. The only one they didn't was Lamar, who shredded them for over 100 on the ground. uh, And they are 31st in DVOA uh, against the pass. Who is your second best bet, Sean, for week six?
2: So my my second pick is T.J. Hawkinson to go under 52 and a half receiving yards against the Bengals, and I, I actually like T.J. Hawkinson um, in fantasy this week. He's my tight end four. Um, but this, however, this line's just too high. It's about seven to eight yards too high. You know, defenses have been putting um, extra tension on TG Hawkinson. He's arguably the best weapon in Lions passing game. He's been playing through an injury. So he's, you know, he's playing less than 100%. Um, so that could be kind of why he's been struggling of late. Um, but, you know, they've been able to lean on rookie Amon Ross St. Brown heavily um, and even, you know, pass catching back. Uh, DeAndre Swift, so I think that they can lean on those two again this week at the expense of T.J. Hawkinson. Again, I, I still think Hawkinson's a great play in fantasy, but I'm projecting this closer to 44, 45 receiving yards. So give me the under 52 and a half receiving yards for T.J. Hawkinson.
1: And I'll close it up going with Aaron Jones under 28 and a half receiving yards. His median receiving yardage this season has been 14 yards. He's been at 26 or fewer receiving yards in 63% of his games. Dating back to the start of last year, Chicago's top eight in adjusted receiving yards allowed to back. So Aaron Jones under 28 and a half receiving yards. That's our prize picks elite entry. For today, as a recap, going with Davis Mills over 185 and a half passing yards. Taylor Heineke over 259 and a half passing yards. T.J. Hawkinson under 52 and a half receiving yards, and Aaron Jones under 28 and a half receiving yards. As a reminder, Prize Picks markets do move, so you want to get on that quickly in order to lock in the best numbers. If you haven't created a Prize Picks account yet. Check out the link in our episode description. They'll match your first deposit up to $100, or you can visit prizepicks.com and use the promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. All right. Now back to the fantasy flex. Uh, Where are you going for your first running back pick?
2: So I'm going to stick in that uh, Chiefs football team game, and I'm going over 46 and a half rushing yards uh, for Daryl Williams. Um, I I think he should inherit pretty much the entire uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire workload Um, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire has averaged 15 carries a game uh, weeks one through four and that was with Daryl Williams uh, mixing in quite a bit I don't even expect Jerick McKinnon to get as big of a workload that Daryl Williams had so um, I'm projecting Daryl Williams closer to 14-15 carries here um, and just with a Average carry of four yards, you can pretty easily clear those numbers. So I'm projecting him closer to 53, 55, um, something like Tyreek Hill being ruled out, they, they may lean on the run a little bit more. Um, and again, we're not really asking for much here with the yardage projection of 46 and a half here. So I just think Darrell Williams, he has uh, too high of a floor to pass this up. So give me, give me the over here.
1: Yeah, I'm at 13 and a half for 51. So a little lower than yeah. you, but still over the number by about a carry carry and yeah it pass. might
2: it might be close like he's he probably won't rush for a hundred yards but um yeah it would not surprise me if he ends up in the 50s.
1: Yeah I mean it's uh you know it's it's basically those two guys and you know it, you know McKinnon has not really played much as a rusher he's been in the game in the past game so you know I wouldn't bet that Williams over receiving necessarily Reed, yeah. Reed can scheme up you know plays obviously but uh and then Der- they just signed Derek Gore to the active roster. So, you know, got to project him for a half he's carry
2: pretty much a fullback, right? I mean, he's
1: yeah, but I think he'll play halfback just because like, go, reading between the team, reading the team leaves, you know, Edwards, Ewer goes on IR. They signed Gore. They already got Michael Burton there. So, I mean, we could continue talking about fifth string running backs, but let's move on. Uh, I like the over two is my point. I'm pro- I'm projecting him over. I will go for my first with your man, your guy, Nick Chubb over 85 and a half rushing yards. Uh, again, I told you his yards for carry is rising in my model. Um, and just looking at what's going on in this Cleveland-Arizona game, and I could be dead wrong on this, but um, I like Cleveland in this spot. I-, I just think what I'm seeing from Arizona here, I'm a little concerned. Uh, for one, Kyler Murray has like this mysterious shoulder injury um, He could be fine, but remember what happened last year when he had a mysterious shoulder injury. We saw it coming. The plate dropped off just like it did last week against San Francisco, and he went through a, 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 like a couple of games of a rough patch here. So uh, I like Cleveland in this spot, and because of that, I like Chubb. And then you have these, what it looks like to be 15-plus mile-per-hour wins in this game. That favors the run game. We've seen Cleveland play a couple of these win games last year uh, and, you know, they barely threw the football because they barely throw the football as it is. And you have Arizona. I mean, talk about five yard per carry. Arizona is allowing five point one ca- yards per carry to running back. So uh, all in on a smash spot here for Nick Chubb, who's gone over this number and uh, three of his five so far.
2: Obviously, I'm in agreement here. Um, wh- whenever you're on the over on Nick Chubb, I'm interested. <laughs> and uh, uh, like I said, on um, Monday or Tuesday, my my yards per carry projection for him. This week was 5.3. I actually had to adjust it uh, over the past couple of days. It's actually up to 5.35. So uh, I I like it even more. Um, And it's surprising to see if you look at next-gen stats, he's only seen a stack box 20% of the time this year, which doesn't make any sense to me. I would just think that whenever he's on the field, you'd stack the box. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on uh, why that is, but uh, he's benefiting a time, you know, his, his yards per carry is 5.8 this year. Uh, you know, just maximum efficiency all around with him. So if, if cream hunt is banged up or limited anyway, you know, he's just going to sail over this number. So give me the over here as well.
1: Yeah. It's, I think it's just a product with the stack boxes, more of the schemes they face. I know they face the chiefs who like to play, Two safeties deep. uh, They played the uh, the Chargers, who like to play two safeties deep. So that's probably it was probably more to do with that than than anything else. But yeah, uh, typically
2: he's going to see thirty to thirty five percent. I would say stack boxes. So wouldn't surprise me if his yards per carry goes down from five point eight, but not too much.
1: Yeah, I mean we are seeing. You know what it is? We're just seeing that resurgence of the two deep coverages now.
2: You know, yeah. they play Houston. That's all cover two. Yeah.
1: So they played like three of the biggest cover two teams. So you know, it, it will tick down a little. But again, Arizona has been giving up uh five over five yards of carry. So yeah, uh, either way, you know, stack the box or not, Chubb can run right through you. Uh, who you got for your second running back prop?
2: Uh so I'm going with another Daryl prop, and that's Daryl Henderson under two and a half receptions against the Giants. Um, Now this, this line is probably in line with, you you know, what we typically expect from Daryl Henderson. But um, I think this game script um, where the Rams are 10 point favorites will make it more likely. We see Daryl Henderson get maybe like 20 carries this game. um, And, you know, he probably won't see as much work in the passing game. Um, And, you know, six of his targets this season have come when the Rams are trailing by three or more points. And that's just on 49 dropbacks on the season. whereas he's only seen five targets when they're leading by three or more and that's on 67 drop back. So we've seen, you know, when the Rams have a lead, they, they don't really increase Henderson's usage in the past game. It actually goes down. So I just think based on this game script, I'm projecting him closer to two receptions. And as always in these markets, especially a two and a half reception prop, a half reception is massive. So uh, love the under here. Yeah. I'm at 2.4. So I'm right
1: under, but again, the median for that is still going to be two. Uh, it's not going to be three. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah, I'm under two. And, you know, last week, Henderson got 61 percent of the routes to Michelle's 39 percent. Um, that was there was a lot of routes for running backs in that game. They essentially didn't block at all. Uh, usually, you know, you'll, you'll see them block about 15 percent of the time. So I have Henderson's routes, you know, in the high 50s, um, which, you know, that's it's not a good scenario for him to get to three receptions essentially because the Rams like to throw it down field. They're like, you know, if we can get it to cup and woods and mm-hmm. Jefferson and Jackson and Higby, we don't, we don't need to throw the back, you know, whether he's running a route or not. So um, yeah, I think he goes over this definitely like 55, six, I mean, under this 55, 60% of the time. All right. uh, For my second running back prop, I'm going Aaron Jones. Speaking of running backs in the past game, Aaron Jones is under 28 and a half receiving yards. Uh, This number just struck me as a little high. I know we talked about uh, earlier in the week, you mentioned that Matt LaFleur wants to get A.J. Dillon more involved. Aaron Jones' median this season is only 14 of receiving yards. He's had 26 receiving yards or less in 12 of his 19 games since the start of last season. That's 63%. And remember, especially, you know, so I like it down to, to, you know, even 26-5, but remember on prize picks, if you can get to 28-and-a-half, uh, you're essentially getting it at even money there, so uh, really like it there. Chicago is allowing the eighth fewest schedule-adjusted receiving yards per game to opposing running backs, according to Football Outsiders. Just 34 uh, adjusted yards to backs out of the backfield.
2: Yeah, obviously I like this Papa You actually stole it from me in our outline. Well, you tried um, to steal it from <laughs> me.
1: I had, I had our outline filled out like last night at like know, by, you, by like 8
2: p.m. You just the, you just decide, you pulled it me and the, decided not to look at it. Yeah, the early bird got the Aaron Jones underworm in this case. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so I'm in agreement. And even like if you watched the game last week, the very first play of the game, they had Kylan Hill line up a running back and they threw a design screen pass for him. And then we didn't see from him again, uh, which is bizarre. But I could see him um, as the season goes on being more involved in the passing game as well. I think Aaron Jones, he's still a top 10 running back this week in fantasy. He's going to dominate the rush attempts this week. But certainly when it comes to receiving yards, he's seen a much lower floor week to week so yeah 28 and a half is way too high I'd, I'd project this closer to like 23 and a half so quite a bit of value here as well
1: yeah yeah I'm in the low 20s for him as well yeah. um don't expect them to get to four catches either for, for what that's worth uh where are you going for your first receiving prop
2: um I'm going with CD Lamb to go under 75 and a half receiving yards they, they play the Patriots this week, and you know as we always talk about Bill Belichick always does a really good job of trying to take away the the opposing team's best player. Um, I think in this matchup, that is C.D. Lamb. And, you know, if you've been watching some of the Cowboys games lately, Amari Cooper is definitely less than 100%. Um, He's been more of a decoy uh, lately. So I think Bill Belichick can see that. And he he knows that he has to stop C.D. Lamb at all costs. And, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they lean on Zeke and Pollard and Dalton Schultz again this week. It's been working well for them. So it, it could come at the expense of CD Lamb having a monster game. Obviously, you know, CD Lamb is one of the best receivers in the game, but I'm projecting him um you know closer to 66 67 and a half yards for his medium this week. So so I like the under here.
1: Yeah, I have it under 65. This is not mm-hmm. a big passing game for Dak. I haven't projected only about 270. Um so even though Davis Mills went off if you watch that game against the Patriots with Davis Mills he just had a couple of crazy throws that the receipt, like that Chris Moore play looked like the Stefan <laughs> yeah. Diggs
2: walk off. Like that,
0: uh,
1: it was screws. It was nuts. Like he just on the sideline and just bounced.
2: That had to be infuriating. You had the, you had the under like 20 yeah. and a half, right? Like,
0: <laughs> I, no, I had the under just, for the game. Yeah. yeah no, no, and I still
2: liked it, but yeah, that was infuriating to see Davis Mills have the best game of his career last week. Like that's going to go down as his best game of all time
1: you keep saying that? And I don't. Maybe it's because I have no respect for the Colts, but I could see him. I could see him lighting up the Colts this week. I might have to get some oh, money line. I
2: don't like, think he'll, I don't think he'll beat last week's game. And I'm not expecting Davis <laughs> Mills to be uh, NFL starter for too much longer. That's I mean, going into my, um, you know, my quote there.
1: I mean, I know I, I. You know, I was at the Dodger game during the Monday, the set like the you know last half of Monday Night Football. But uh, I saw a certain quarterback that people used to think couldn't throw just light up the Colts for about. 400 yards in 15 minutes. So I wouldn't put it past them is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, like don't write them off yet. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, I have this projected in the, in the uh, mid low sixties for, for CD lamb. This is again, just because same thing for Cooper, uh, just not expecting a huge passing day. For Dallas. And this is also one of those trap spots, like five and 0 team, you know, going to get going to Foxborough against the team. Everyone thinks they should beat. The line is kind of chilling around three and a half. You know, it, it's one of those trap game spots where I could see a, a little bit of a clunker from Dallas here. Uh for my first receiver prop, if you're gonna go with a stud receiver under, I'll match you with DJ Moore under 82 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's actually still even with the great season he's having, he's still under this number in 3 out of his 5 games this year. Uh Minnesota is allowing tied for the third fewest schedule adjusted targets and eighth fewest schedule adjusted yards per game to opposing number 1 receivers, just 5.9 targets for 54 yards uh schedule adjusted for number one wide receivers. Uh, that scheme is starting to come together for for Mike Zimmer a little bit and I just think this number is too high. Because look at Sam Darnold, and you know he started off with some cake matchups, and then they had an extended garbage time uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. But Minnesota is number two in pressure rate this year, and Darnold has been really bad under pressure. He's one touchdown to four picks. Uh, the yards per attempt is down. The, the, the rating is down. And he, and he also has taken 13 sacks on 77 dropbacks under pressure. So I just think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, for Darnold, and I think he's going to be a little bit gun-shy too because, you know, full five interceptions the last couple of weeks, uh, I just don't know if they can get he's going to get the ball out high volume to where this is going to be like a, a DJ Moore blow-up spot. Um, so playing on the the number here, obviously DJ Moore is still a top-10 fantasy receiver, but this is one of those weeks where I feel like decent, um, you know, kind of going underweight on him in, in terms of DFS roster ship and uh, going under on the prop at 82-and-a-half.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm projecting this closer to seventy nine and a half. and um, It's always hard going against DJ Moore just based on how good he is. But, um, you know, last week he was being shadowed by Darius Slay the entire game, I believe. Um, but I think going forward, we we should expect more from Robbie Anderson. I know we keep saying, um, you know, he's going to break out soon. He he is seeing the targets. He's seeing the air yards. So him having a blow up game here would certainly uh, negatively correlate with Moore's prop. I even think Terrence Marshall, I keep saying it, he's going to break out soon. So I think once those two guys um, step up, I I think we're going to be lowering our projections for DJ Moore going forward. So I like kind of getting ahead of that um, trend here, but he's, he's tough to go against. I I agree with like DJ Moore and CD lamb. It seems like we're being risky here, but it's, it's about the number. We're projecting them, um, you know, to go under this more times than not. So uh, it's, it's, it's more about going against the number than the player in these cases. Yeah, I mean, when he's already done
1: it three out of five times under, it's you know, and, yeah. that, and
2: he's had a great season, so you know that. And that's where Darnold has thrown for over three hundred yards three times in five games, which you know we can't bank on going forward. I don't think anyway. I was trying to bank on it last week, and then How, <laughs> that didn't happen. <yeah>. <laughs> How about <laughs> so. um, Chris McCaffrey potentially being out? Would that um, possibly bump up your projection for more, or is this kind of already baked in? No, this is already baked
0: in.
1: I actually, okay. you know, like this is uh, like, I think, I think Darnold is just going to struggle a little more mm. with McCaffrey out, period. But yeah, um, with more, it's just kind of, you know, once you're getting into the 80s, like that's just a tough prop. That's even like, even you've mentioned this, even Tyreek Hill, that's a tough yeah. prop. <laughs> you know, like yep. you've played that out a hundred times, a thousand times. It's, it's,
2: well, Tyreek Hill's different. He either puts up, you know, 40 yards or 190. Yeah. Whereas DJ Moore is a little bit more consistent. But yeah, And anything over 80 is. Uh, pretty hard for even elite receivers to to maintain as a median anyway.
1: Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, let's close it up. Who is your second receiving prop uh, for week six? Uh,
2: so my second prop is TJ Hawkinson under 42 and a half receiving yards against the Bengals. We already talked about this um, during our DFS pod, but um, this seems like seven to eight yards too high. Uh, defenses have been putting more resources into stopping Hawkinson um, you know he's probably their best weapon right now um, outside of DeAndre Swift obviously um, but Hawkinson's also been playing through a knee injury so he's less than 100% so it's it's been easier for teams to slow him down um, and Gough has been leaning on rookie Amon run St. Brown a lot more the past couple games I could see that trend continuing certainly he loves dumping it off to DeAndre Swift and even Jamal Williams. So, um, you know, uh, even though I'm projecting Hawkinson to go under this by quite a bit, he's still my tight end for this week. Um, and that has to do with, you know, Kyle Pitts and um, George Kittle is on uh, IRN dealing with bye week. So it's it's a bit thin at tight end. So Hawkins still my tight end four, but this is still too high of a projection for him right now. His median would be closer to about 43 and a half, 44 and a half yards this week.
1: Yeah, I have him uh I have him in the high forties. So I have him like just under the spy of hair. Uh, you know, I think I, I think this is a this is a spot the Lions might actually be frisky here. So uh but I, I yeah, I agree. I think you know the number is still a little bit high. Like even my mean projection for Hawkinson is still slightly under uh the fifty two and a half. So I like the number. Uh, I'm sure it'll be bet down a little bit and surprise I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if it closes under fifty uh, this week. All right. For my final receiving prop, I'm going with Wibiska Chenault under 52 and a half receiving yards. He's been under this in three out of five games this year, and he's only been over this in five of his 19 career games. And he didn't always have this big of a role, but that's kind of the point. His role hasn't been as consistent uh, as we thought, especially with DJ Chark out his his routes run per drop back. uh, Chenault's let me say again. So with DJ Chark out, Vavisca Chenault's routes run per drop back actually hit a season low last week. So he was between 79 and 81% each of the first four weeks. Last week, 61%. Now, maybe if there was like some weird things going on with the game script, you'd say, okay, but Jamal Agnew, yes, that Jamal Agnew, the, the, the former cornerback, you know, slash return specialist played more s- snaps, 68%. Uh, on pass plays than did Chennault. And then Tavon Austin, who played 75% two weeks ago, still played 50%. So Chennault was barely holding off Tavon Austin for the wide receiver four role last week. Now, could he jump back up? I'm guessing he will. I still haven't projected closer to his season average, which is 76% of routes run per drop back. Uh, But that still leaves him short of this number uh, because Miami, you know, outside of that, they came into that Tampa Bay game, I think they were number two in early down success rate uh, against a pass on defense, Tampa Bay is going to skew all of your defensive statistics. So I'm not, I'm not holding it against them that, you know, they gave up infinite amount of yards and touchdowns to all the Tampa receivers. I still don't think we can trust uh, Chanel in this spot. So uh, I have this median about, you know, seven, eight yards lower that I have him closer to 45 uh, for a median than, uh, than this number, which is 52 and a half.
2: Yeah, same here. And this is more of a bet against Urban Meyer than it is against uh, Chenault. Because like you said, they're for some bizarre reason, they're using these wannabe Percy Harvin type players like Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew when they already have like the best version of a Percy Harvin type prospect in LaVisca Chenault. So maybe Urban Meyer, we've said he, he usually gets things wrong and then fixes it later on. Maybe he does figure out that Chenault should be playing over 90% of the time every week. Uh, but right now, he is certainly a fade, um, given his underlying usage. So I, I'm with you here. I'm projecting the median, yeah, closer to 44 and a half, 45 and a half receive yards until we see uh, otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, it also probably has something to do. Trevor Lawrence just hasn't been able to connect with him, just uh, a catch rate of 64.5 compared to 73.4 last year. You know, Chenault being asked to run a, get routes a little further downfield, not much. The A dot mm-hmm. went from 6.2 to seven, so it's not like a major increase in the downfield work, but it just seems like uh, Trevor Lawrence aren't on the same page yet.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, those ancillary receivers um, are obviously eating into it. But even Dan Arnold, like, especially in the area of the field, um, just how much he played and how much he was targeted, um, that's certainly leading into this as well. So uh, that's something I do think is going to be sticky. I think Dan Arnold will absolutely be the number two, number three target going forward in this offense. So that might be the real reason why we're uh, probably low on Chenault this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong being low on Jaguars, not named James Robinson.
2: Yeah, That's pretty much
1: how I'm looking at this at this
2: point. Yeah. But uh all right, to recap, for week six,
1: Sean has Davis Mills over 185 and a half passing yards. Daryl Williams over 46 and a half rushing yards. Daryl Henderson under two and a half receptions. CD Lamb under 75 and a half Receiving yards and TJ Hawkinson under 52 and a half receiving yards. I'm going Taylor Heineke over 259 and a half passing yards. Nick Chubb over 85 and a half rushing. Aaron Jones under 28 and a half receiving. DJ Moore under 82 and a half receiving. And LaVisca Chenault Jr. under 52 and a half receiving. That is going to do it for our week six fantasy flex. Props Pod presented by Prize Picks. Make sure you follow Sean Kerner on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com or the app for our fantasy rankings and projections and fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and content. Until next week, let's get this money.